A lot of research has been conducted over the years on the risks and benefits of being on either side of the height spectrum. For example, studies have shown that taller people score slightly higher on IQ tests than shorter people and are more likely to be bitten by bugs than their vertically challenged counterparts. On the other hand, research shows short people are more likely to outlive their taller peers but are still at a greater risk of developing heart disease. Good morning. I'm George Borarki, and this is Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. This morning, we're exploring what it's like to be tall and short in New York City. The idea for this morning's show came when we discovered there was a club for tall people in the Big Apple. It's aptly named the Tall Club of New York City. The club's president, Barry Hanold, recently paid a visit to our studios. And just how tall is Barry? I am 6'3". You're 6'3 six, and a half. You're 6'3 and a half. And how does that compare to others in the Tall Club of New York City? I am one of the short guys in the club. Uh, the height minimum for men is 6'2", so I make it by an inch. And what about for women? Uh, women, uh, the height is five foot ten. Who's the tallest in the club? Well, it's a man, and uh, say around six foot ten. Now, why a club for tall folks in New York City? It's not New York City per se. We have chapters around the country, but the idea is that tall people, there's a you're kind of born with height. It's not something that uh, you do in life or achieve. Obviously, nutrition and things like that affect it, but the idea is. It's a, it's something you grow up with, and you have to learn to deal and understand and appreciate. And so the idea of the club is just to be social and let people get together of similar height and cease being the tall one. You are much more average. What does that mean when you say you have to learn to deal with your height? There's the classic, maybe you're good at sports, maybe you're good-looking, so they think you're a model. But there's also finding the clothes pants, inseams, just shoe sizes sometimes. Last meeting, we just had somebody come by with a size 22 shoe. Wow. It's a lot of little things. It it can be airplane seats that don't quite fit as well uh, as they keep taking off half an inch at a time. Uh, I now have to get the economy plus because I literally cannot fit in the regular economy. It, it, a lot of little things. Um, at, at one level, none of them are absolutely impossible. But the combination is just a, an understood thing that we've all had to deal with. When it comes to clothing, I see a lot of big and tall shops around town, but do they only go to a certain size? Is that the problem? It's a combination of uh, size and uh, I'll say style and some other things uh, with a limited market. If you're a tall man and you want a, a black suit, well, you can probably walk in and get one. But if you want something a little more stylish, then it's a little more challenging because the number that you're going to sell, the store is going to sell, is limited. And women women have it even worse. Uh, you want a black dress, well, you can probably get it. But if you want something more stylish, it's a lot more challenging. I would imagine that leg room in a car can be a particular challenge. Uh, yeah. Um, taxi cabs in New York City are uh, notoriously problematic. There's some of them that I actually have to let go. Um, you just let it go by, and that's that. You wave them on. You can't fit in the back. Other cars, yes, there's there's issues, and when you're out car shopping, that's one of the things we pay attention to. And information like that is uh, shared amongst halls for better, worse, where the legroom is. Certain people are more torso than leg, so maybe you need a car that's got more from, from the seat face up to the ceiling. You refer to them as talls. Is that how you refer to other tall people as talls? 
it's a sort of a collective thing, yeah, rather than naming and and it's a descriptive thing and since we are the tall club, it's how we've come to kind of refer things colloquially, if you will. What are some of the things people have referred to you as as a tall individual over the course of your lifetime? Are you talking like nicknames yeah, and Yeah. Well, there's sort of two categories of them. There's uh, some based on my looks, uh, some, like actors and stuff like that. And then there's some of them, uh, the, the actors tend to be the taller ones, yes. And then there's the the just purely height ones, and uh, I'm a little thinner. And so you get like string bean, simply something long and thin. Or you get a, a particular actor that is, is somebody you look like. I was going to say you look like Christopher Reeve. Yes, that is one of the, the top... Ten ones, yes. Uh, it's kind of a, a little bit awkward occasionally, depending on the conversation, since he's no longer with us. But you know, it's it's still I take a compliment. How frequently do you get the "Do you play basketball?" question? At six three, I'm rather lucky. I don't get that question too much anymore. I'm uh, especially as the NBA has gotten taller, and six three is a very boring height. The other people, yeah, the question still comes up. Um, within the club, we don't often ask, but we, we do have people who come and who have been members and stuff that did play basketball professionally, semi-professionally, and they still do. There's uh, sort of training camps and stuff that these guys uh, get hired by. What about dating? Do folks hook up through the tall club? There is no official mechanism as part of the club. But when people are together and you meet interesting people, of course, things happen. I understand that you have to look for venues, clearly, that have higher ceilings. Uh, yes, that is not the only factor when, when I go looking for venues or when I cross-check a venue before we put an event there. But at six foot three, uh, knowing we have plenty of men and women taller or as tall, if I cannot hold my hand above my head and, and clear the ceiling with ease... It's just not going to be a good venue because the, the taller people are going to feel a little more claustrophobic, a, a little tight, which sets them ill at ease. And since we are the tile club, ill at ease is not what I like. You mentioned that taxi cabs can be a problem from time to time. What about the subway and buses? I am at the edge of the subway. I can get on and just duck a little. Um, I do have to be careful of the grab irons and some things and hitting my head. Uh, everybody who's taller than I am uh, has problems. When uh, the seven-footers come around, you try to get them on the middle door of the subway. Uh, I say come around because the locals know this, but when we host people from out of town, I try to make sure that they get on the middle door on the subway where the middle of the car is taller, doesn't have the uh, low-hanging ceiling and things like that so that they can get on and, and at least stretch out and st stand up a little bit. When it comes to folks who are... 6-2 in Dover, right? That's the minimum requirement? Yeah, six two, men, men is 6-2. Where does New York City stand in terms of population? Do you know? Um, the national average is around 7%. And if I say 10%, I think New York City is a little bit uh, less tall because when I get on the subway or when I go in other venues, if I count 10 people, there's more that are not as tall as I am. I don't find other other tall. So as a, as a city, I think New York City is a little, little less than the national average. We talked a lot about the challenges of being tall in New York City, but what are some of the benefits of being tall, not just in New York City, but the benefits of being tall? I guess the classic is people would say, oh, you can see over everything. 
or you can reach something. And the reach something comes to play in New York City as every grocery store in the city stacks to the ceiling. Uh, the, the merchandise is stacked to the ceiling. And so not every time I go shopping, but plenty regularly, more so in the city where everything's stacked to the ceiling, I, I get the question, could you reach that for me? And I, I take it in stride. I, I, the person's not being mean about it. it. They simply can't reach it on the top shelf. And since I'm a convenient thing, it works out. But it's it's little things like that that happen that are are a very nice benefit. I don't mind being asked, and I feel a little nice that I don't have to ask. It's just a cool benefit. I would think floor seats at the garden are probably not a bad thing for someone of your height or taller. Yeah, of course. Um, as with everything, there's a certain... Um, you, you might like it, but can you afford it? Does it work? And uh, like airlines and everything like that, I, I, I fly Economy Plus because I, I can't necessarily afford the first class, front row uh, type uh, life. But because the tall club has no income, no anything, height is irrespective, there's a lot of people that have done a variety of things that you get interesting inputs. A study came out a couple of years ago that said tall people on average earn more than shorter people. I have no way to deny or benefit that. And and often tall people excel at whatever profession they are. Uh, I'm not sure whether it's because they're tall and they stand out, and so they have to perform because people notice them more. Uh, it, it may be a combination of things, but, but generally most of the people in Tall Club I've found tend to excel at whatever they do, whatever their profession is. I would imagine you've done your fair share of interviews about the Tall Club. What are some questions that you've been asked that I didn't ask you? I guess the, the, the topics are wide open. Um, a little bit depends on what the specialty or the reason for the interview is. I've been interviewed about taxi cab space. I've been interviewed by a South Korean radio station and dating and some other things. There's been interviews that are not necessarily unexpected but just out of the blue and so it's It's been a very interesting chance to see demographics cross-section, think about other things from another view uh, by by the interviewer. Does height run in your family? Uh, yes, yes, height. height. I'm the shortest male in my family. Really? Who's the tallest? My dad was. How tall was he? He was 6'6", uh, 6'7", six, 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 okay. and my brother's 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. How about your mom? Uh, my mom is 5'10". Uh, okay. Okay. So she's not short, but uh, when I like my brother's wedding, I was the sh shortest man in the wedding party. So it's um, an eye opener, a learning experience. You, you may be a member of the tall club, but all of a sudden, when you are literally several inches shorter than everybody, it's it's even a different feeling. When you take a photo with the tall club, you know usually they say short people up front. That's probably a little bit of a oxymoron when you're talking to the tall club. So how does that work? Is it still the shorter people up front? Yes, yes. We, we all get a laugh because, of course, it's the classic saying, short people up front. So it's people like me at 6'3 that stand up front while the 6'10s and 7-footers stand behind us. Simply, as with any photo, the the height to make it work is, is important. Looking back on something I didn't mention and, and when I attended the European convention where Men have to be several inches taller, two, two and a half inches taller than the American clubs. And similar for women, they have to be two inches taller. 
uh, there was around 300 to 400 attendees, and I literally got lost in the crowd. I could not see over. I could not see out. Um, we were dancing and doing dinner and, and socializing. And if you can imagine just standing in a room, it, the difference is amazing when you cannot see out. How many members strong is the Tall Club of New York City? We we have around uh, 70 members, and because it's New York City, the number fluctuates wildly. People come and go, move to the city, move on. Often when they get married, they drop their membership, although we do have a few couples that continue their membership. And what's your website for those listening who are at that height requirement and want to join? Um, even if you don't want to join, you're welcome to use some of our resources for clothing and other thing, and it's www. Tall, T-A-L-L-N-Y dot org. Barry, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. Barry Hanold is the president of the Tall Club of New York City. Once again, you'll find them online at tallny.org. Barry referenced how it can be challenging to find proper fitting clothes and shoes when you're on the taller side. Enter Olivier Raboth. He's an artist and shoemaker originally from Paris, France, but now based in Brooklyn. One of my important uh, things is to develop the footwear for everyone. And when I say everyone, it's very much everybody. Unfortunately, the industry uh, doesn't pay attention to people who reach a certain size. So, Olivier, you make shoes for men that range from size 12 to size 22, right? Yes, 22, absolutely. Size 22, it takes you, uh, even in in leather, the the quantity of three pairs of shoes. That's why you understand the... that it's uh, it's a, a big challenge for the industry. Yeah. So a size 22 is the quantity of three pair of shoes, huh? Yes. In leather, in uh, in everything, and the strength to uh, pull on the last. And you keep in mind that the last is the plastic form that mimics the foot. So when you have to last the leather around that form, the volume is so huge that uh, even for myself, who believe me, I'm excellent in lasting, it's uh, extremely challenging. So all of the shoes you make are handcrafted, huh? Yes, all handcrafted, and they're all basically guaranteed 20 years. How long does it take you generally to make a shoe of that size, an 18 or a 22? Oh, at least a week. But I would say uh, because I work all together, many orders, so I would say uh, last uh, you wait like about uh, four weeks, five weeks. Are you only making men's shoes, or do you also make women's shoes in oh, large yes. sizes? No, no, men and women, of course. What size shoe are you, Olivier? Uh, size nine, so I'm very small. <laughs> yes, and uh, when I put my shoes compared to my size 22, I feel like I'm, I'm a baby. <laughs> All right, Olivier, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Olivier Raboth is an artist and shoemaker in Brooklyn. You're listening to Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. Good morning once again. I'm George Bodarki. We're now moving from the tall of it to the short of it. Peter Manning has developed a clothing line for men 5, 8, and under. I recently visited his studio in Dumbo, Brooklyn. Peter says the line has been a long-time dream. The sort of 
rosebud moment was when I was 10 and I wanted bell bottoms and my mother said, I can't buy you bell bottoms, honey, because by the time I shorten them, they won't be bell bottoms anymore. And I thought, well, that's not fair. And so I spent the next 30 years of my life being frustrated buying clothes. It was never fun. It was, everything had to go to the tailor. And after, you know, a career in the theater and then I did a real estate development downtown, I realized the producing skills I had could help make me do this line. You know, so I, that's, so I, I finally just decided that there must be a market out there, that I couldn't be the only one. And it turns out I was right. I'll point out that you are a Tony Award-winning producer. I, I am. I, my first part of my career was in the, in the not-for-profit theater, and then uh, I ran a company called New York Stage and Film, which worked with all sort of New York artists, and we did summer seasons at Vassar College. And after I left there, I did a play that I had produced there. I did in New York, and it moved to Broadway, and then won the Tony Award. And uh, just around that time, I decided, you know, I would sort of get out of the theater. I loved it. It was a great run, but I was like, that situation's not going to get topped again. So yeah. um, I had a kid at that time, and so uh, was really focusing on raising her. For those who are wondering, you have to give us the name of the play, of course. Oh, yeah, it was a play called Sideman by Warren Light, and uh, starred the Edie Falco before The Sopranos and everything else she's done. Okay, well, yeah. now back to the clothing yeah. line. Why is it, Peter, that it's so difficult for a short man to buy retail because retailers and designers make clothes based on like a 5'10", 5'11 guy. And there's an average that they're trying to capture. And they're sort of happy to capture the broad middle. And so when I asked around at other retailers, major retailers, and got to some of the you know, tops of, of those retailers, they just said, well, we know you exist, but you know, we can't really fit you in our stores or you know, we'll just take your things to the tailor. And I think because this customer has never sort of spoken out and said, like, what about us? Why aren't you serving us? That the retailer said, oh, they're fine. No one's walking around naked. You know, people are dealing. And so they never did anything. And I just decided that that was it okay. So what did you do for clothing yourself? First of all, how tall are you? I'm 5'8". And most people think, but you're not short. And, you know, I'm not particularly short, but I never bought a pair of pants that didn't need to be altered or, or, you know, or they were always hanging too low. So I knew there was something wrong. And so I just started trying to figure out how to make clothes. I'm 5'1". I'll just put that out there so I can relate. And people have told me, shop in the boys' department. That's not okay, is it? It's not okay. It's humiliating and not fun, and the clothes aren't right, and they're not sophisticated, and it's not not right. You know, this is 25% of American men. It's huge demographic. I mean, there's... That's just... They shouldn't be ignored. I mean, the big and tall sector is as equally big as this sector. And so how we do it and how we approach it obviously is key because there are the stigma issues that, you know, you don't want to talk about short and, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, sometimes I'll talk to people and they'll, you know, someone who's shorter and they'll, they'll realize what I'm talking about is shortness and they'll look at me like, ah, kid, don't talk about this to me. But then they'll move away at a party or something and they'll come back and they'll say, hey, you're going to make a sweatpants? You're going to make, you know, because they know. Every, every guy I know who's 5'8 and under relates. So that said, how are you approaching this? By trying to make the best clothes and to do it in a way that is, you know, that has nothing to do with shortness. It is nothing that is as quality and sort of artistically excellent as other brands, you know, J. Crew or Banana Republic or 
Brooks Brothers that it feels like a brand that has nothing lesser about it because we're dealing with a height issue. You don't even have size labels. You don't have small, medium, large. You have this height and weight calculator to determine your size, right? We do. We, I, I figured early on that to do small, medium, large, and extra large would be confusing because those mean something. I mean, they're kind of different everywhere, but they mean something in the broader, you know, apparel world. So I figured I had to make up a new sizing system, and so we have one, two, three, and four, and you give your height and your weight to us, and we will tell you which one of those you are. So that's why we did it, just to be less confusing. I'm sure it's also a little bit confusing because it's a new size system, and, had a, and that um, sometimes for customers takes a try or two to sort of figure out which one they are, because we can't, you know, because we're online, we don't see them. So we sort of have to rely on their judgment about their height and their weight. Not everyone's always accurate about that. <laughs> Not everyone knows exactly how much they weigh, and some people are hopeful. <laughs> so tell me about the line. Do you carry all types of items from shirts to shoes? Uh, not everything yet. You know, we started uh, with casual clothes, and uh, when we started uh, a year and a half ago with, you know, a t-shirt, a polo shirt, a, what we called a weekend shirt, khaki shorts, and a sweater. You know, just keeping it tight and small. And we will have all of those other things eventually, but we're a young company and growing, and as our customer base grows, and, you know, every day we get emails saying, when are you going to do shoes? When are you going to do socks? When are you going to do coats? When are you going to do ski pants? I mean, it's it's endless because we really need everything that we put on our body. So, so we'll we'll get to it. We'll get to all of it. You mentioned that you worked as a Broadway producer before moving on to this. Do you have a background at all in design? No, I don't. Which was a little scary and a little hard because I just I knew what I liked. But the truth is, in men's apparel, everyone's kind of just copying each other. And we're not trying to make a fashion statement. This isn't a sort of fashion-oriented line. It's an apparel line, hopefully attractive, handsome, you know, terrific apparel that makes people feel good. But it's not going to go out of style. It's kind of classic American sportswear. So really what we need to do is sort of find out what's happening in the broader market, find out what men want to wear, and we need to resize it and rescale it and sort of give it to them in a way that fits them. So it's really about fit than about fashion. Are you wearing Peter Manning today? I wear Peter Manning from head to toe every day because, you know, once you're a designer and people say, oh, are you wearing it? You have to say, yes, I am. It's only... So, yes, I am definitely wearing it from head to toe. I always do. How are you going about marketing your clothing line to men? Uh, doing radio shows on NPR. <laughs> um, really, um, PR is the best way to go out and tell the story, and I think um, we've been lucky because a lot of people want to tell the story because it's big. It's 25% of American men and probably a majority of the rest of the planet. What are your top style tips for shorter men? Well, the first thing is no pleated pants. It really is one of my, you know, great pet peeves. That Why is that? It just adds more width and fabric to your leg. And, you know, our legs can't afford any more width or fabric. We want them to look long and lean. So really clothes that fit. And if you have to tailor them, do tailor them. Ta I mean, because when you do take something to the tailor and it's fitted correctly on you, it makes a big difference. You know, clothes that are tonally sort of um, match it helps, you know, add to a, you know, sort of looking longer. You know, and then the regular style tips are, you know, the sort of same for every man, you know, sort of try to pick colors that are complementary. And um, most of all, wear things that feel good. How do you feel about putting lifts 
in your shoes to make yourself taller? Uh, I'm not really for it. I, I think it's, I mean, I think it's a constant reminder to the wearer that like, you know, you have a, you know, you're short. And so, and that just doesn't, that doesn't seem right to me. Um, I think guys should own who they are and, and do it. And eventually those shoes have to come off, so you're not going to fake it all. <laughs> you're never going to fake it all around. So, you know, Tom Cruise is always wearing these boots with kind of heels on them, and I say try to avoid them. I don't think, I don't think it makes you, ends up helping. Right now, you're online only. Do you hope to become a brick and mortar? We do hope to become a brick and mortar, and uh, we're talking here in uh, our space in Dumbo, and we will have a showroom um, shortly where people can come and try things on. It's you know it's modest because it's part of our warehouse space and our studio space, but we're going to have people who can try things on. And I do think eventually what we'll do is have smaller smaller shops in cities where people can come try it on because there is some of that divide for some people they just want to try it on first and that way they can come try it on and know that they're a Peter Manning 2 or a Peter Manning 4 and then they can buy it all online. I think I'm most proud of that you know we just did a big survey that that people feel strongly about the quality of the clothes that we make and so do I you know I'm not trying to sell anything that isn't you know as good as we can possibly make it. And right now you are PeterManning.com, is Peter that right? PeterManningNYC.com. Some woman in Spain is PeterManning.com, she just won't give it up, and it's really annoying. But PeterManningNYC, that's where we live, and that's where we are. So, Peter Manning, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, it's been great to talk to you. Peter Manning's clothing line is all about helping short guys look good and own their stature. And according to a recent survey, they could use the help, at least when it comes to dating in New York City. My name is uh, Joshua Fisher. I'm the VP of Product and Data Insights at Snap Interactive. Here at Snap Interactive, we make an app called AY.com, which is primarily uh, used for dating. And what we did is we looked at the likelihood that people would receive a response when they sent a message based on how tall they were. And what we found was that men in New York City who were under five foot seven were much less likely to receive response than a man who was over five foot seven. Whereas in Jersey City we actually saw that they were just as likely to get a response. So if you're a short man, Jersey City is a good place to go uh, to meet women. Did this surprise you at all? Uh, yeah, uh, it, for us it was a little. It was definitely surprising. We, we just look at the data and kind of go where it takes us. But it was interesting to see that there were such big discrepancies in what we saw, uh, despite the fact that these people, are, these cities, are only you know miles apart from each other. Why do you think it is? I mean, I know you're just looking at the data, but do you try to speculate yeah. there at all? You know, it's hard to make speculations on these things. It could be you know we've had people say it's you know kind of. What we've seen typically is that places where there's a lot more options, people can be a lot pickier. So if you are in an area where there's a lot of people offline and online, you're more likely to come up with criteria to kind of whittle that down. So for women, we found that height was one of the first things they looked at as well as income and that type of, uh, you know, and some other key factors that go into whether or not they respond to a man online. So according to your research, Manhattan and the Bronx, that's where it's hardest for shorter men, right? Yep. So what we saw was Jersey City uh, was actually five times more likely to respond to a man who was under five foot seven than a, than a woman in uh, Manhattan. And Brooklyn was also uh, on the lower end, uh, you know, nationally even, of getting a response 
rate if you're a if you're a man under five foot seven. Did you also compare your numbers to other parts of the nation? Yeah, yeah, we did. So we saw it was New York was actually one of the most selective cities in the world, and again, that makes sense. New York being extremely populated, women have a lot of options, so they are more likely to whittle down their choices based on certain criteria such as height. Cities where there were less, you know, major cities where they were a little bit less densely populated, like Indianapolis and Las Vegas, we found that shorter men had a greater likelihood of getting a response rate. Again, likely because women out there, you know, are not making as many judgments based on something like height. Did you look at the flip side? Did you look at what men are looking for in women? Yeah, so we looked at we look at all kinds of criteria. You know, we look at income, we look at hair color, body type, diet, you name it. Specifically for height, we found that men didn't particularly care. Uh, that it was pretty much a flat line in terms of how likely a man was to respond to you uh, as a woman uh, until you got above five foot ten, five foot eleven. And we think that's largely because men are looking for you know the, the only criteria a man has is not someone who's significantly taller than. Him. All right, Joshua, thank you so much for your time. Sure thing. Thank you. Joshua Fisher is with Snap Interactive, maker of the online dating site AYI.com. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Podarki. If you missed an episode of Cityscape, you can always check out our archives at wfuv.org slash cityscape. We're on Facebook and Twitter as WFUV Cityscape. My thanks to senior producer Veronica Volk and producer Taylor Nolk. Have a great weekend. It's WFUV and WFUV HD New York. Listener-supported public media from Fordham, the Jesuit University of New York. Music discovery starts here.